Welcome to Palmdale United Methodist Church's podcast for Sunday, August 30th, 2020. May God use this as a blessing to you today. And now, Reverend Jim Powell. There's a story about a pastor who ended up in the hospital, and um, the chair of the board, their administrative board, showed up one evening and said, Pastor, I just wanted you to know that the council met last night, and we agreed that we had to pray for you, and we needed to pray for a full recovery. The vote was 12 to 5. You know, it's really tough in a church sometimes to uh, get unanimity, or even just to get some kind of common thought. But the goal of a church, of the body of Christ, really, as it meets locally or internationally, is not to have conformity. It's not about all of us being of the same mind or not, not exactly the same thought about all things. We can have our differences. But it is about one heart. It is about one spirit. And it is about being the body of Christ as a presence in the world And so I know that you are in full support of the work that is done here. Uh, You have amazing pastors, uh, Jim White and and John Gentry, who uh, I had the privilege of helping get here. Um, I am so grateful that they are working together. And by the way, your pastor Aaron down there in Malibu is doing a phenomenal job too. Their worship attendance has already climbed. uh, And the mission and ministry of Malibu continues to expand uh, to the homeless there in the community as they are leaders down there. So uh, you have trained her up and loved her well to go forward. But today I want to I talk about what is, I guess, the elephant in the room always. We seem to be talking about this pandemic, and it is life-changing and in some ways life-consuming. But as we think about the pandemic, I, I guess I have to bring us back to a part of our human condition, and that is when we are faced with adversity, we tend to want to take a position based on the information that we have, and so therefore information seems to be um, the gospel of the day. The more we know, the smarter we are, or the more informed we are, and then we can form our opinion, then we can get into a camp, then we can draw some sort of line in the sand that we don't want to cross. What's interesting is that the New Testament is not wrapped around the idea of information. As you notice in Jesus' teaching and the parables that you just heard preached on all this month, the parables are not about information. They're about transformation. They're about understanding what the kingdom of God is, which is a way for us to have some encouragement that even we who are limited in our knowledge and limited in our view and scope, we can actually be a part of this kingdom because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So our lives are transformed through God's love and grace and mercy. So I I want us to come back to think about how bad this really is. Now, I I do grieve with you. I, I grieve for those family members that some of you have lost. I grieve for those who are stricken by this COVID-19 and how bad it can be uh, individually and also on our families. I grieve for those of you that have lost some of your loved ones, especially the elderly, and you haven't been able to be with them because although they know that we love them and we, we know that they're in the Lord's hands in these final moments of life, it's not the same as being there holding their hand 
and seeing them through to this next life. So I understand the grief of loss of jobs. I I understand that some of you in this church have built businesses over the years and are now either losing those businesses or it will take you a long time to recover fully. We identify that this has changed the world in so many ways. But how bad is it? And when we look at the powerful nature of pandemics, we can go back to the Black Plague or what they called the Black Death, or even if we look at what happened through the bubonic plague. This lasted for a short period of time in its initial insurgence. They're, they're saying in history that maybe 25 to 50 million people died at the beginning of one of these plagues only over a period of five years. But what scientists have discovered is that the Black Death that moved through Europe actually stayed moving through continents for 700 years. It's not like we're going to get past this in a month or two. Yes, we will have better control over this. Yes, there will be vaccines. I celebrate the fact that this week is the week in which the nations of Africa have claimed that the polio vac- the, that the um, polio itself, because of the vaccines and because of their extraordinary effort and because of all of the money and support that has come from around the world, can claim that Africa is, as of today, free from polio. It still exists in a few other countries around the world, but but ultimately, it takes a great deal of sacrifice and a great deal of money and a great deal of cooperation and transformative thinking in order for us to combat these diseases. Because of the Methodist Church and other churches that have joined this cause, we have been able to distribute enough nets across Africa and other places that we have eradicated 70% of malaria worldwide. But there's still more work to be done. And even after a vaccine is found for COVID-19, there's still going to be a lot of work to be done in order for this to be eradicated. So, So pandemics come and go but they don't have the last word on us, especially for those of us that claim Christ as Lord. So the the challenges we face in this pandemic, I see as we're coming out of this, particularly as the church, as we're flattening or lowering the curve, as we maybe someday, hopefully by the beginning of 2021, who knows, that we could be back in the sanctuary together and we will be online. We will be digitally present with each other as well. This hybrid both and is so important to understand as the future of the church that even though we're fighting against this, I think the greatest thing that we fight against is the loss of hope and the loss of perspective because information is not enough. You know, to speak quite frankly, we're... We're a selfish people. It's part of our human condition. We're starting to see the remnants of this in our culture where people are refusing to wear masks and refusing to social distance and throw in those parties where they can invite everybody to come. And, and some are claiming that in the name of God and in the name of their nationalism that they can somehow you know, ignore the orders of government or of those medical professionals who are suggesting ways for us to eliminate this. It's not just about our rights. In fact, it's not even a right. 
These are privileges we have in which we live, in this country especially. And so isn't it time for us as the body of Christ to not think about more information, but to think about this transformation that Paul writes about? In fact, let's just talk about the scripture today. Romans is one of the most powerful books in the Bible. It's not the most, and it's certainly not the whole of the gospel, but the book of Romans has been a critical part of the formation of our thought, our Christian thought in the New Testament. In fact, when there needed to be a book that was read that would address the social issues, even going back to Augustine, we find these these moments in which he read that particular passage in Romans just as Luther read it when he was facing um, uh, great resistance in the Reformation. He chose the book of Romans in Wittenberg as he was establishing the need for us to go back and be with God. Romans 12 for me is one of those pivotal points of the scripture because in Romans... uh, as Paul writes, as a citizen of Rome, he's writing to a church that he's not really experienced personally. And now he's in home arrest, um, and this letter now is carrying even more of the power that he needed. And the power through, of course, God's words through Paul. But Paul is writing to this particular group of people, first to say, you must learn how to love God, then you need to love God yourself and then finally in Romans 12 we get around to how do you love your neighbors I will come back to this in a minute to talk about why loving our neighbors I think is the next step for the body of Christ and for the church but let's just stick with the scripture for a moment I appeal I appeal to you therefore brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to be present and to also present your bodies as a living sacrifice This is, of course, reminiscent of the Old Testament where we would place upon there our most prized possessions, the altar, and then would be sacrificed to God. He goes on to say, this is the holy and acceptable thing to do for God, which is your spiritual worship. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern the will of God. So this sacrificial approach to us giving ourselves over in thought to God and not conforming to the way the world wants to shape our opinion is really about where our mind is focused. And this is a a behavioral modification kind of thought maybe today. It's, It's pop psychology that if you just think about it hard enough that you can somehow achieve the great things that you need to achieve. You can lose weight, you can get in shape, you can... You can be at peace. Well, there is this relationship between the heart and the head. There is this, there's this need in spiritual understanding, particularly in Scripture, and particularly from the Greek's perspective of how there's a whole body, and you need to have both mind and heart aligning. But Paul is reminding us that we are responsible and actually have control over what we think about and what we concentrate on, and what we fill our minds with. So he goes on to say, For by the grace given to me, I say to you, or to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. In other words, humility is the key to transformation. So we're in the right place, sitting with the right thoughts, and waiting for God to do this. He, he warns us, but, but think about things with sober judgment. 
each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And as for one body, we have many members. Okay, this is reminiscent of the 1 Corinthians 12 passage. And not that all members have the same function. So we have one another. We need one another in this body of Christ. We need to bring our gifts. For those of us that have gifts, they differ, as he explains here. And so if you're going to be one who is going to give prophecy meaning the truth of God, this isn't future telling, then do your prophesying in proportion to your faith. If you're going to be a minister, then minister truly from your heart, from your head, and from this gospel. If you're going to be a teacher, then do this through your teaching. If you're going to be an exhorter, if you're going to be a preacher, you need to do this in exhortation from the gifts that you have. If you're going to be a giver, then do this in generosity. If you're going to be a leader, then be diligent. Don't be a leader for a moment, but be a leader for a lifetime. And if you're going to be compassionate, then do it cheerfully, not like a martyr. Paul's instructing the body of Christ on how we are going to actually interact with other people. In verse 9, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. It doesn't mean hate evil people or to even categorize somebody as evil. But it is about us moving against the forces of evil that exist in the world. And love what is good. Lift up what is good. Love one another in mutual affection. Undo one another, or I'm sorry, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere with prayer. You see, all these descriptions for us is how the body of Christ is going to interact with the world. How we're going to re-enter, in a sense, culture and society. We just, yesterday, were able to visit with our, our son Alex and our daughter-in-law, Carrie, and they have a new baby. Her name is Olivia. Of course, she's the most beautiful baby on earth, um, at least from my perspective. But Stephanie and I had to quarantine for two weeks before we could get permission to enter their home in order to hold our new grandchild. You know, and at first I thought, well, we're doing okay. We're, we're, we're being careful. We're wearing our mask when we're out in public. We're trying not to get closer to people than we need to. And, and, uh, but then I had to think not more highly of myself than I ought to. And I realized that these are parents who are trying to protect their infant and their other two girls, their, their other daughters. And their perspective was more important than mine. So it took a little more thinking about where I could go and who I could be with. It, it took a little more thought in terms of being careful when I was around others. Because as a social creature, I, I don't feel comfortable moving away from folks. I'm the one that's moving closer. I, I, I have to say to somebody, could you put a mask on? Because, you know, I have this goal to go see my granddaughter. We are living under restrictions we're not used to. And we're starting to see in our country, people are pushing back against this. People are starting to get tired of this restriction. People are starting to, you know, quote and sing the national anthem uh, in a way that is sort of allowing that 
ugly side of American nationalism to surface where we think we have rights. Rights that can affect other people and can in fact cause illness for others. Really what I wanted to talk to you about today here based on the book of Romans is if we're going to be the body of Christ, isn't now the time for us to be the body of Christ reformed? The church seems to, in the last couple of centuries, had a really difficult time defining itself in American culture. We've been through revivals. We've been through renewal of churches. But now we had struggled with the whole idea of what our mission and ministry is, even in our own country. A lot of hatred toward Christianity. A lot of fear that the judgment that was coming from us was going to be overwhelming. And so a lot of people, including the generations that my sons are in and my grandchildren are in, they're just pushing away from the church. In the last five months, we have had a significant increase in people who have been coming to church through digital means. We have had giving go up. We have had interest in the church spread out across this continent and across the globe. We have people from all over the world that are tuning in to listen to worship services in new and creative ways. And so why is this renewal of the church seeming like a punishment to those of us that are in the church? Look, our, our main goal is not to be back in here. Our main goal is to be the kingdom of God in the presence of other people. That is the ultimate high mark for the Christian church and for the body of Christ. And if we get so, and I've heard this from some of my churches and some of the laity, you know, if I can't be in that church, I cannot be a Christian. No. If you cannot focus on the things of God and remember what we have been instructed through Jesus' life and his sacrifice for us, if we can't present ourselves as a living sacrifice for God, holy and acceptable to God, then we are not Christians. Then we are somehow not the body of Christ for others. So let me just challenge us with a couple of things here. Every time you get to go out now, and it's a privilege to go to the grocery store, and you, it, it's joy to walk those aisles with your mask and look at all the varieties of cereal you can buy. I mean, this is like the greatest country on earth where there are more varieties of cereal than there are any other medications in the whole store. It's like, where is our priority? Our priority is still in getting what we want. So can the grocery store be your own mission field? Yes, it can. Have you noticed how people will not even talk to each other, even if they are six plus feet apart and have their masks on? It's as if we've, we've started to pull in. We've started to protect ourselves. And although we need to do that physically, spiritually, we need to retrain the culture how to love one another with humility. I call it the elevator syndrome. Have you noticed in the elevator how everybody faces one direction and nobody talks to each other? That's how it is in the grocery stores now. That's how it is in the lines for the post office. That's how it is when you're uh, on the street and you see people coming towards you and they don't have masks on. We cross over like the story of the Good Samaritan, hoping that they don't notice us. This is all about our distancing is making us uncomfortable to be around each other. But the body of Christ can be a 
a body of hope and a body of transformation and a body of peace and a body to say, we're going to be okay. We just have to live through this and we have to do it together. Uh, This summer, uh, I had a chance just for a week to get up into parts of Northern California. I was up there with a friend and we were riding motorcycles through the redwoods and going into these little tiny towns of areas in California that most people have forgotten. And as we stopped at a gas station, we we got off the bikes. We were having this conversation with two guys, who uh, young men who had come in from the mountains and were getting their their groceries out of the convenience store. I mean, it was a very, very, very small town. But my friend John was having this conversation with one of them and, and asked what he did. And he says, well, I am a, I am a cannabis engineer. You can translate that for yourself. And the other guy who really wasn't interested in talking to us, he just seemed very uncomfortable that these two older guys riding motorcycles was having a conversation with these two guys who are engineering in the mountains of Northern California. But finally, one of them said, I don't know what's going to happen with this virus. I don't really know what's going to happen with our country. It seems to be falling apart. And then he said, I think there's a revolution coming. And as he climbed back in his truck to get away from this conversation with his gun rack and the rifles, I said, well, I hope and pray that the revolution is a peaceful one. And he rolled his window down and he stuck his head out and he said, yeah, oh, that's what I meant. I mean, yes, of course it needs to be peaceful, but something's got to happen. Something's got to change. It was obvious that his passion, his heart, and his whole spirit was disturbed by what was going on around him. It was kind of disturbing to me that there are people that are living off the grid who are feeling as if somehow things are falling apart and there is no hope and there is no way for us to come together and live in harmony, that our pride and our protectiveness and trying to keep our rights reserved, that we somehow are going to work against each other. Look, friends, it is really a a disturbing thing for us sometimes for us to give up something that we think might be precious to ourselves. But I believe that this is the very place that God wants us to be. It's not the first time the church has had to hide indoors for fear of powers or unseen viruses around them. Remember, Paul is writing to a group of Christians who were mostly slaves in a church where they were trying to survive. But I am saying to you today, let us think about this as a day of us to be in the mission, a day for us to be in relationship with our neighbors. Not only is the grocery store our mission, but bringing home some extra to share with somebody else that needs it in our neighborhood. We're a long ways from getting out of our quarantine states, but we are definitely at the precipice of a new church, of a brand new witness and testimony for others. I'm asking for God's mercy to be on each one of us. And let me just close with this story that reminds me of my very own granddaughter, the four-year-old. The ushers were passing this plate, which, by the way, we won't be doing for a long time. 
And as it's coming down the aisle, the usher's standing at the other end of the aisle, as the tradition has been for all these years. But this little girl, when she got the plate, she looked left, she looked right, she stuck it on the floor, and she stepped inside the plate. The usher said, honey, what are you doing? She said, well, in Sunday school, my teacher told me that I should give myself to God. Here I am. If we really, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, give ourselves to God and think not of ourselves more highly than we ought, and we pray on that, God will reveal God's will for us and for the church. And transformation will happen in us and even in this divided culture. Be the body of Christ. Be the hope. Be the one that can inspire others by the love of Jesus Christ that flows through you. Amen.